Welcome to Hooked. I'm Rachel, your guide through the perplexing and sometimes deadly world of internet catfishing. Why do people catfish, and how many lies can they tell before they get caught? Stick around to find out in this week's episode of Hooked. This week, we're talking about one of the most recent cases of catfishing, that of a Twitter user who claimed to have caught COVID and was later reported to have died from it. That person's username was sciencing underscore by, and no one knew who was behind the account. Sciencing by joined Twitter in 2016, and it wasn't until 2019 that she started dropping substantial clues as to who she really was. Sciencing by was a fairly well-known participant in the science and STEM Twitter a corner of the site I have certainly never visited. She was also very vocal about social justice issues and the Me Too movement. The specific hashtag MeTooSTEM was started by Dr. Beth Ann McLaughlin in June of 2018, and Sciencing By was part of that. Beth Ann was a neuroscientist and a professor at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and started MeTooSTEM partly because of her own experience. As I'm sure any woman in a male-dominated field can attest, sexual assault is rampant, especially when there are events that bring large groups of the field together in one place. One Me Too STEM Twitter user said, quote, The neurofield is beyond fucked, just a magnet for the most depraved people. Bethann herself had instances of sexual abuse and had testified against a former Vanderbilt professor regarding a similar matter. And this, Bethann believed, was the reason her application for tenure at Vanderbilt had been rejected in 2017. She created a petition that her application be reviewed again, and that's how Bethann met Sciencing By. Sciencing By believed Bethann had been wronged and signed the petition, then shared it to her followers. The fact that there was no name attached to Sciencing By's profile is apparently something that's commonly done by academics who have to publish. Most don't want to risk their personal opinions about Trump or Biden influencing whether or not their latest paper is published. Bethann wasn't in that camp. Her Twitter username was Mikkel Neuro. But as I said earlier, as time went by, Sciencing By started to reveal small bits of her personal life. She talked about how she was Native American, born and raised in Alabama. Though not Catholic, she'd attended Catholic school, and it hadn't been the sort of place she could reveal her true queer self. In fact, being queer was the reason that she, as she put it, fled from Alabama. The entire state wasn't so down with LGBTQ matters. Eventually, after getting her degree in Native American anthropology, Sciencing By ended up in Arizona, teaching that subject at Arizona State University. From there, she continued to tweet about social justice and the Me Too STEM movement. When Bethann launched a Me Too STEM website, Sciencing By shared it. On the website, anyone who wished to could anonymously share an experience of sexual assault within the STEM community. Not only did this allow people to talk about what had happened to them, but it also brought attention to people who were endangering the field by being predators. And when Bethann turned Me Too STEM into a nonprofit in May 2019, Sciencing By helped as much as she could from Arizona. Bethann put a link on the movement site to a GoFundMe, which was collecting money to offer aid to the survivors who had wanted to work with Me Too STEM. Once the fundraiser was over, totaling $78,000, the Me Too STEM site proudly shared that the funds had gone toward helping over 500 victims obtain legal aid for 18 months at a time, at no cost to the victim. Bethann decided to choose women for the board who she thought would be most beneficial to the movement. And she assembled some very impressive people, including Dr. Carol Greider, a Nobel Prize-winning biologist from Johns Hopkins. Bethann and Sciencing By each posted a picture of the two of them on a kayaking trip, 
saying that it was nice to finally spend time together. But people were suspicious that Beth Ann had been sharing with Sciencing Bai what had gone on in the confidential Me Too STEM meetings, even if she hadn't shared in person. Somehow, Sciencing Bai knew things that were only discussed when members of the board were present. In early 2020, Sciencing Bai added a name onto her Twitter profile, Aleppo. She also divulged that she was a member of the Hopi tribe. This made a few people do a double take, because the Hopi tribe is based in the Southwest, so it was weird that she claimed to be born and raised in Alabama, especially if she was registered with that tribe. But hey, families move. People let it slide. As COVID slowly took over the U.S., schools started closing down, including universities. Most sent students home to learn virtually early in April at the latest. But according to Sciencing Bai, she was still required to be on campus, in a full classroom, teaching her Human Anthropology 201 survey class until late April. We know because on May 23rd, Sciencing Bai tweeted, ASU kept teachers, staff, and students on campus until April. That's well after we knew this was a killer disease. Many got COVID, including me. From her bed, she tweeted, I am on day five in the hospital with COVID. My state university just cut my salary by 15%. They also kept my school open and me teaching well past when they knew it wasn't safe to be in crowds. No, I won't answer questions. I don't have tenure. She continued to tweet as she recovered. On May 29th, she wrote, I'm tired. I'm out of my mind recovering from COVID. I'm in year three of sexual assault reporting hell, and I implore you to follow the stories in Navajo Hopi news and offer real help. She added in another tweet, You cannot simultaneously claim to be repositories of knowledge and valued educators if you know Native cultures are being extinguished and don't use your education to our benefit. This was an important message to get out because the indigenous population of America was heavily hit by COVID, more so than any other population. And in early 2020, it didn't look like it would be letting up anytime soon. In June 2020, Sciencing Bai seemed to be completely recovered and back in fighting shape. She was again standing next to Beth Ann as the two pursued the Title IX charges they'd filed previously. Earlier in the month, the Harvard Crimson published an article about three anthropology professors at their university that had accusations against them, and that those accusations were being ignored. Soon after, Sciencing Bai tweeted the article and commented that she had been assaulted by one of the professors in question, Gary Erton. She wrote, Gary is a dirtbag and routinely harasses female students at conferences. Senior women took turns to protect other women. She described another incident with a different academic. Bester blamed assaulting me on his alcoholism. He never apologized or tried to make amends. I'm terrified of what he tried to do to Native people on sites. People were moved by her story, and when other victims of Erton contacted her, she commiserated with them. Because she was still feeling the aftereffects of COVID, she asked them to continue the conversation with Beth Ann. Sciencing Bai kept her followers updated with the post-COVID issues she was having, things that we've all heard about by now. Concentration issues, fatigue, continuing loss of taste, and shortness of breath. She had a tweet go semi-viral with 18,000 likes and 6.5 thousand retweets that read, I'm a college professor recovering from COVID, and I'm struggling with a sudden loss of secondary language fluency. If anyone knows anyone studying cognitive impairment related to language defects after COVID, can you let me know? On July 5th, Sciencing Bai went to her first socially distanced event since COVID began. She wrote, People were shocked by how much different I looked post-COVID. Every other patient in my ICU suite died. On July 24th, she tweeted a request that biomedical students go offer help and information in COVID survivor groups on Facebook, which had been invaded by deniers. I'm too tired to help anymore, she said. 
too tired, perhaps, because her post-COVID issues were worsening. Her Twitter was quiet for a few days, and then on July 31st, Bethann posted on her Twitter, Sad to report Sciencing Bai died from COVID this evening. She was a fierce protector of people. She let me take my shoulders away from my ears, knowing she was meaner and more loving than everyone else. No one has ever had my back like that. I don't know what I'm going to do. The STEM Twitterverse reacted almost immediately. They were shocked. Sciencing Bai seemed to be getting better, albeit slowly. Gary Wright II, an LGBTQ activist from Alabama, wrote, The news of Sciencing Bai, a prominent Native American anthropologist, losing her three-month battle with COVID-19 is especially painful. She meant so much to so many and in so many diverse communities. Rest in power, our sweet angel. People remembered how her feed inspired them daily, how she stood up for indigenous rights, how she fought against sexual assault. A professor from another university wrote, My friend Sciencing Bai was not expendable. She was not an acceptable cost of doing business. Arizona State University had a $922 million endowment. How much is a life worth? It was a flurry of tweets like this that gained the attention of the media. All across America and the world, stats were being compared regarding employers who refused to protect their staff, and how many of the employees had been affected and how many had died. Immediately, and I do mean immediately, reporters jumped on the story, calling Sciencing Bias friends and bombarding Arizona State University with questions about why they had put their staff in peril like this. And that's where Sciencing Bias' story started falling apart. Students and staff from ASU informed the press that despite Sciencing Bias' claims, the university had actually closed in March, not late April. There had been no salary cuts, even if the professors didn't have tenure. And because inevitably, despite closing, people from their staff would catch COVID, the administrators were keeping careful track of those who had reported infection, and there were no professors from ASU that had died. There was one instructor from the university on Twitter who said that those on staff who'd been aware of Sciencing by had been suspicious for a while. First, he said that she'd gotten some of the basics about the working conditions of the school wrong. Second, while Sciencing by had withheld most information about herself, the facts she had offered were extremely specific. A young Hopi anthropologist from Alabama who taught Human Anthropology 201 and had once been asked by the dean if she had a DNA test to prove that she was truly indigenous. ASU is a huge university, which may have been her reason for choosing it as her employer, but it wasn't so big that someone matching that description would be unknown by everyone. In addition to the media, people on STEM Twitter were also looking into sciencing by. For some, it was merely an effort to save a photo of their friend on their computer or look up her obituary. But the more suspicious folks were doing more with things like Sciencing By's profile and Instagram pictures. Turns out, Aleppo's profile picture was a stock photo. The snap she'd taken of her feet in cozy socks in front of a fireplace? The very first result that comes up using those keywords on Google. Same thing for the photo of the tiny cactus garden she'd said she'd bought for a TA. And the picture both Beth Ann and Sciencing Bai had posted of them in a kayak was actually a photo of Beth Ann and her daughter. The IP address of the Reddit user who claimed to be Sciencing Bai was centered not in Arizona, but in the Southeast United States, Tennessee to be exact. Beth Ann, the ex-professor from a Tennessee university, seemed unaware that all of this investigation was going on. She was busy tweeting up a storm about how sad she was. Her eyes, she said, were so swollen from crying she could barely see. She responded to a condolence message with, It's surreal. Seems like she was just on this couch I'm on. 
Jesus, it's so fucked up not to have funerals anymore. This isn't right. As more people told her how sorry they were, Bethann eulogized Sciencing By. I don't know what her students or my students who loved her will do. She made millions of First Nation indigenous contacts for Me Too STEM. I don't have the lifetime of goodwill or knowledge of everyone she helped. Who else is going to tell me that I'm not being strong enough? That bigger fights are ahead? That I have to do better? Who else is going to be there to call me out publicly for being soft? She wasn't nice. She was powerful and she worked so stinking hard. I wanted to go out there so bad when she went back into the hospital, but they won't let you. This disease. She said she was supposed to get a Hopi talisman for health as gifts for us, but she ran out. God, the irony of running out of a health talisman. I don't want to fuck up Hopi tradition, but she wanted to get me a tattoo that matched hers that said Itam Napiani, which translated to, do it yourself, you fucking idiot. No, wait, there's more. Even when she was pissed at me, she texted me daily. Sometimes just to tell me she still thought I was wrong, but she was still there, waiting to talk like adults. Selfishly, I knew she'd get better. She had to be here in a month to help me with being deposed in my assault case. I didn't bother to think of I had reserves, because she did. Take them out with a sucker punch to the throat was her advice. She got kicked off two dig sites for that. She was only sad she couldn't add dudes she punched to her CV. Eventually, the press did reach Beth Ann. One reporter contacted her and asked her to confirm Sciencing By's identity so a death report could be filed. Beth Ann answered that she wasn't about to dox anybody. And I guess Beth Ann finally became aware of the investigation shitstorm going on on Twitter because all of a sudden, the Twitter account of Sciencing By, who, you know, was dead, was suddenly set on private. And people noticed. But Bethann decided not to notice that people noticed and continued to tweet about her dead friend and shared that there would be a Zoom memorial service held for Sciencing By slash Aleppo the next day, August 1st. Given Sciencing By's minor fame on STEM Twitter, I think Bethann thought that Sciencing By's Zoom memorial service would be packed to the point of crashing the stream. But the word about the possible hoax had spread, so the only people present on the call besides Bethann were Melissa Bates, a professor at the University of Iowa, and two male professors who had also known Sciencing By through Twitter. The attendees were all pretty suspicious, but didn't want to be disrespectful in case their friend really had died. Professor Bates said that it was extremely awkward. Keep in mind, this wasn't a stream of someone's funeral or service held by their family. This was Beth Ann holding court. And Bates was especially weirded out when Beth Ann said to her, Aleppo loved you. She read all of your stuff and actually, she put you in her will. This made zero sense to Bates because since Aleppo was supposedly a professor, she certainly wasn't harboring a huge fortune that she could split. And Bates knew from Twitter that Sciencing By had undocumented immigrants in her family that surely really needed what was giving Bates. I'm pretty positive that the day Beth Ann was putting on the service, her Twitter and other social media was being bombarded with questions and accusations. People didn't want to have been fooled, but it was looking more and more like they had been. But instead of addressing anything that had been asked, Beth Ann tweeted on August 2nd, I'm going to follow the lead of a wise friend and say something and be quiet. Being a part of Twitter has filled my heart and head and populated my life with good people. I'm grateful for all of them and then her Twitter fell silent. The online academic community, as well as mainstream news, filled the internet with coverage of this scandal. Bethann hadn't officially admitted her part in it, but everyone had pretty much figured it out. Finally, on August 4th, Bethann provided a statement through her lawyer. I take full responsibility for my involvement in creating the Sciencing By Twitter account. My accounts are inexcusable. I apologize without reservation to all the people I hurt. 
Following this admission, both Beth Ann and Sciencing Bai's Twitter accounts were suspended. In November of 2018, due to her work with Me Too STEM, Beth Ann shared the MIT Media Lab Disobedience Award with Tarana Burke, the woman who began the first ever Me Too movement on MySpace in 2006, and Sherry March, who works to include diversity on scientific organizations. The three women shared the $250,000 award. The Disobedience Award recognizes people who speak truth to power, empower the voiceless, and accept personal responsibility and fallout without a view for to personal gain. LOL. After hearing about Beth Ann performing Digital Red Face for personal gain, they stripped her of the award. But even before they heard about the sciencing by stuff, those who worked with Beth Ann on Me Too STEM had plenty of issues with her. While Bethann had been careful to put women of color on the board of the organization, only two out of the seven fit the bill. During board meetings, Bethann would pretty much ignore any ideas the academics of color suggested. She also kind of ignored the ideas from the white academics, but she was more receptive initially. All of the women pointed out to Bethann that the organization didn't really have any policies or roles, and when they attempted to establish them, she blocked every attempt. Eventually, almost all of the board members left because of Beth Ann's sketchy behavior, the biggest issue being that the $78,000 they had raised on GoFundMe had never been used for Me Too STEM, and no one on the board knew what had happened to it. But the biggest complaint people had about Beth Ann being sciencing by is that it was a white woman masquerading as an indigenous woman. Remember how, in her eulogy of her dead friend, she talked about Aleppo wanting to give her a Hopi talisman and getting a matching tattoo with a Hopi saying? One Twitter follower commented, Beth Ann really wanted to hammer home that she had a cool Hopi friend. An actual Native American researcher who actually worked at ASU, Melissa Duarte, said that the Native community is extremely close in academia, considering that they only make up 2% of the American population. And that small population has been deeply affected by COVID, especially Arizona Navajo nations, which were sciencing by's alleged people. Kim Tallbear, an academic from Alberta, was quoted about the hoax, there are only a couple of degrees of separation between all of the Native academics. It just tells me that she doesn't know anything about the Native world that she thought she could create this person, particularly a Hopi scientist at ASU, and not get caught. And, Jacqueline Keeler adds, it was easy for Beth Ann to do because people like Beth Ann, quote, don't carry our specific trauma. They are ethnic opportunists, and that is a colonial endeavor that has been going on for centuries in this hemisphere. We've already talked about Munchausen's by internet on this show, and psychiatrist Dr. Mark Feldman, who specializes in the subject, said that COVID was seen as an excellent opportunity for people to pull stunts like this because the virus was the perfect excuse to not have met the person they were catfishing. Jacqueline Keeler adds that hoaxes like Beth Ann's, where someone pretends to be someone of a marginalized population, can have a lasting effect on the world. Quote, this changes our ability to advocate for ourselves when we are constantly being replaced by frauds, white people or other people of different backgrounds pretending to be us. Let's not forget that in addition to digital redface, Sciencing Bai also lobbed assault allegations. She thankfully didn't target anyone who didn't already have similar strikes against them, but just like the Treva Throneberry case, someone who casually accuses people of rape or sexual assault when it hasn't happened makes it harder for the real victims to get the help they need. So, fuck you, Bethann. Thanks for checking out Hooked this week. We'll be back next week with a new story. 
But for right now, you can find me on social media on Twitter at HookedPodcast1, that's the number one at the end, on Instagram at HookedPodcast, and on Facebook at HookedThePodcast. Also, I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com slash hookedthepod, where you can get access to early episodes and regularly released bonus episodes. Again, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.